InvestTalk listeners ask Steve and Justin what they use for their winning investment research. And the answer is YCharts, quality data with easy-to-use tools. Start your free trial now at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining us on Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we are pushing through the first week of October. And I'm here today substituting for Steve Peasley because Steve is up in San Jose meeting with listeners and clients alike. That's right. That's right. Steve is sitting down for personalized appointments with pre-registered listeners. He'll be looking at their portfolios, offering ideas, strategies about how to improve their individual portfolio performance and ultimately their broader financial picture. Now, Steve's schedule in today in San Jose today was filled, but he's already set a return date. He'll be up there again in about a month, November 7th, so you can register now on investtalk.com. Now, our focus on this program today is you and your investments and your continuing education on how to become an above-average investor. So I'll provide some unbiased comments, hopefully, and in, in analysis for you on this Wednesday show. But of course, I'm also encouraging your participation as well. So please call our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. And you get through live 4 to 5 Pacific time, or you can always call after hours. If you are listening after hours, leave a message and we will answer it on an upcoming show. Now, the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ all opened up this morning, but savvy investors know that October is generally a time of increased volatility. You kind of saw that uh, today, certainly a, a sell-off in the S&P towards the end of the day, and we closed relatively flat. Now, with that in mind, I will mention a couple of interesting headlines that uh, we saw today. One is the Dow is hot and the rest of the market is not, and that's certainly true. The the Russell and the the mid caps, uh, small caps, are in a downtrend. Uh, they got a little bounce today, but it was a pretty meager bounce. Uh, and you know, I hope everyone knows when I say, you know, we br- we broken support or we broken trend or we're in a downtrend or we're uh, in a in a correction phase. Nothing goes straight up or straight down, right? So there will be balance days. So expect that, understand that, and use that to adjust your positioning. Another headline we saw is why another market volatility surge is likely ahead. And the writer put forth an opinion that traders have become complacent as they passively ride the stock market higher and bet on lower volatility again. And we saw the volatility crash, not crash, but uh, crash upward, I guess, back in end of January, early February, and you saw certain ETFs kind of blow up, and people started to forget about that, but I think that's only going to come back again and and bite us, so uh, as interest rates break out, which we saw today, you're likely going to see volatility pick up. 
So you are wise to be listening to the show, listening to Invest Talk, and being aware of the type of market that we are entering into. The bear, the bull market, is on its last leg, and when it finally breaks, it's hard to know. But clearly, we're in a regime change in the market, from growth to value, from uh, story stocks to stocks about their business, cash flows, dividends, etc., as well as a time of more volatility. So Steve and I have been talking lately about the importance of keeping your eye on your portfolio, rebalancing, making sure you're not taking too much risk. And we've also been talking about managing your credit. Now today I'm going to give you a quick lesson on the right way to cancel a credit card. How do you do it? Can either can either harm or protect your credit score? I'll get to that story in a few minutes. But first, let's get to a question that came in earlier on our Anytime Listener line at 888-99 chart. Hey, I was looking at symbol MJ. MJ is in uh, Mary Jane for long-term investment. Uh, what do you think, man? I uh, love the podcast. Take care. Well, MJ is an ETF that is... Uh, investing in the marijuana space, right? Uh, I don't know the, the list of assets within the fund, but it certainly got a big boost, right? From 26 all the way to 40 just in the past month or, or so. Big move. Uh, now, I do believe long-term there will be a, a lot of winners uh, in this space. It's, it's, it's an area that has real customers, has real use case, right? And you can argue whether it should be legal or shouldn't be legal, but clearly a certain subset of the population has found a use for it. Uh, and there's a, a, a black market that is now coming into the mainstream. Uh, and there will be companies that you can now invest in to take advantage of that. And certainly that story has been has been big and, and important uh, for the, the move in this particular ETF. The biggest, the, the one thing I like about it is that you're diversifying across a lot of them because many of them are going to flame out and that's the difficult part right now is which ones are legit, which ones have staying power, which have which ones have longevity, uh, which ones are just taking advantage of the fad and, and the, the trend of legalization obviously in Canada and I'm sure soon enough in, in, in here in America. Uh, and, but... There are things like Tilray, right, which is a, 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 a cannabis company that just they just came out after hours going to raise, uh, I think, 400 million in convertible notes, which I think is very smart for them. Uh, but just shows you how volatile uh, the these stocks can be. So if you're looking long term, I like it. Uh, I like to have it uh, as a diversified part of your portfolio. Now. It's going to be volatile. It's at 40 now. It could go to 20 within a year. Absolutely. This is going to be a very extremely volatile name. I can't express that enough. And you need to be willing to hold through that volatility. So if you are thinking, oh, it's going to double in the next year, well, could. But it could also be cut in half in the next year. Maybe there's increased regulation or put off that uh, legalization will will happen who knows but it's going to be up to the whims and ebbs and flows of sentiment regarding the industry and clearly now we're in a bullish sentiment phase so 
Understand the volatility, be very prepared for that, and keep it a small portion of your diversified portfolio. Now, closing out of a credit card is not something to be done rashly or sloppily. The proper method involves asking the right questions, getting pertinent answers, and making sure that you minimize the damage to your credit score. So if you want to cancel a credit card cleanly, first, make sure you cancel a credit card for a legitimate reason. And there are really only two. You can, can't control the spending with the card. Or two, the card charges an annual fee, and you don't use the card enough to justify the, the fee. Now, me personally, I have a dozen or so credit cards open, but I probably only use a, a couple of two, two to three, uh, depending on the perks and the rewards and uh, the cash back and points, etc. And the rest I just kind of cut up. Uh, I can, you can go online. Many of the card issuers allow you to freeze the account, so nothing can really be charged on it until you log in and unfreeze it. And I think that's, a, that, that's something you should do for cards that you aren't using. But you want to make sure that you have a large available uh, balance that hopefully you're not using, but at least it's large and available. Because once you cancel a card, that available credit changes your ratio for your credit score. So if you decide to cancel a credit card, make sure, you, one, you reap the rewards. Most cards have some sort of rewards program. So before you cancel, cash those in. Then pay off the balance. Obviously, that's that, that makes the most sense. And then uh, I'll wrap up with two more tips. Turn off automatic payments and make good by phone calls to the credit card lender. Make sure you've touched base with them, let them know you're canceling and tying up any loose ends. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And I want to take a moment to welcome YCharts as an Invest Talk sponsor. Podcast listeners will hear Steve and I endorse YCharts because we do find it to be a valuable research data filter and charting tool. A lot of people have wanted to be our advertiser on Invest Talk, and we only accepted Y charts because we actually use them every day when we're managing client assets. Now, the phone lines are open now at 888 99Chart. It's an Invest Talk Wednesday. Steve is up in San Jose conducting personalized portfolio reviews, and Justin's here working for you today. Here's a suggestion that could change your future. Head over to investtalk.com and read about the many strategic investing programs offered to clients of KPP Financial. And while you're there, be sure to take the Riskalyze Risk Questionnaire. For now, the phone lines are open and Justin's taking your questions live. 888-99-CHART. Now, today's main talking point is buyers are fatigued, but house hunting continues through the end of the summer. We're going to talk a little about the current state of the housing market, what home builders are saying, what realtors are saying, as well as how the current at least today, breakout in yields will affect the housing market. So that's our top story today, but I also have some others as well. I want to discuss the dollar. And 
there's a great article on Bloomberg. If you're uh, on our YouTube live stream right now, you'll see this article up, The Tyranny of the U.S. Dollar. I think it has some great points, and I'm going to touch on them, and I think it matters a lot to understand where our dollar is in relation to uh, currencies around the world and why the regime there's a potential regime regime change in at least the medium to long term and then noriel rabini who is famous for calling the last financial crisis he is an nyu professor of economics and he has uh, uh, some interesting things to say about what he sees coming up in 2019 2020 and then lastly Peer-to-peer -peer lending in China, if we have time, uh, there is some changes going on there, and it is really causing problems. I'm going to talk a little bit about that as well. Let's take a look at the market today. Uh, we had the Dow up 54, S&P was up 2, and the Russell was down a little bit. Actually, it was, uh, it was up a little bit more. Uh, NYSE was only up 0.1%. So, like I talked at the top of the show, rally early in the day sell off near the end volatility starting to pick up uh, and what you really saw was yields break out the 10-year closed at three point I think it was one six one seven something like that uh, and that is the highest level that we've seen since 2011 mortgage rates now are approaching that five percent level and I've said this for the last couple of years uh, when the Fed started to talk about raising rates. I said, when mortgage rates get to about 5%, that is when you will likely see broad declines in real estate prices. Once we hit about 45 you saw a slowdown, right? A stall in the market. And every time it kind of bumped up closer to 5 the market got a little weaker, backed off a little bit, the, the housing market got a little stronger. Now, this is all very uh, slow. The housing market's extremely slow. It moves usually with a six-month lag to the economy. Why? Because uh, the, the market's slow. It takes 30, 30, 60 days for escrows to close, for offers to be made, accepted. It's a longer process than a stock, right? Stocks can trade almost instantly. And so you're seeing that broader, uh, this, this rise in rates is likely going to have a broad effect on all asset prices in general, but especially real estate. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I understand that many investors can have potential trepidations and can be unsure of how much portfolio money to risk. And it does depend on many things, including how to close, uh, how close are they to retirement. So I want to hear from you. 888 chart The KPP Premium Newsletter packs a lot of market news, process explanations, and even stock ideas into a concise summary every Friday. You can subscribe at investtalk.com. It's a great value and a must-have for above-average investors. You are listening to InvestTalk. Have you got a question for Justin? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin. On a recent podcast, you were talking about credit freezing, and I guess I had a general question about that. So I understood you could freeze your credit, and that won't allow anyone else to open up another line of credit. However, would that impact your credit score at all? So I know you can still use the open lines of credit, if my understanding is correct. So if I have any open credit cards, I can still use them. 
However, would freezing them actually impact my credit score at all? And if so, how would it? If you can answer this question, I'd greatly appreciate it because it's something I would strongly consider in the future. Thanks. Bye. Great question. No, it doesn't affect your credit. It just stops uh, anybody from opening a credit card, uh, opening a loan, uh, doing anything in relation to your credit without you being notified, without there being security checks, etc. So you can still use your credit cards, etc. Uh, it, it just will stop anything fraudulent from happening to your credit, like I said, opening an account in your name that is not necessarily you. All right. Let's go to Farouk in Fremont. He wants to talk about EXPI. Yes, hi Justin. Correct. Thanks for taking my call. Um, love your show, very great show. Uh, I just wanted to know about EXPI. I wanted to buy it one time, but it's pulling back hard, so I just wanted to know what are the fundamentals on it, and how do you see to get into it? Interesting. EXP World Holdings, it's a REIT that owns and operates cloud-based real estate brokerage services for the residential real estate market. Can you tell me more about this company? Yeah, it's basically a real estate company like any other, like Keller Williams, Remax, or any other, but it has a, a new model, like it's all based in the cloud. It doesn't have local offices. It just uh, realtors operate from their home or uh, a virtual office or something. They have virtual offices in each city. You can just use a small uh -huh. little virtual office if you want. Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real estate company, like a real estate brokerage, like any other, yep. Remax or uh, Keller Williams, but it's all cloud-based technology. It doesn't have uh, brick-and-mortar stores. Gotcha. Okay. So I love that idea. It's I don't I don't know how it would work in practice. Uh, I'm sure they're they're doing well, obviously, because their revenue is up 235 percent year over year, so they're doing well on that front. Earnings uh, are n still non-existent, though. They are supposed to lose 37 cents a share this year and 16 cents a share next year. Now it was down big today, uh, about five percent. Part of that, I'm sure, has to do with the interest rates rising and it's going to certainly affect the real estate market like I said before and uh, it's, a, it's a company that doesn't make money so it's, a, it's expensive by any pretty any metric that you can really look at uh, so I would I would say I'd, I'd, I'm not a huge fan of it at these prices but it's certainly in an uptrend it's trending higher uh, you are near support I mean, I think big support would be a 200 day moving average, which would be a 1350 or so. That would be the biggest support, but I don't love it in the face of uh, it's frothy from a valuation standpoint because it's cloud based and you're going into a real estate slowdown. So I, I, I would monitor it. I would continue to see how well they turn revenue growth into earnings and cash flow. That would be very interesting to me. Uh, but I wouldn't buy it right now, uh, at least until it gets to thirteen fifty. Is there any debt uh, with this company? Uh, debt 
ratio, or uh, can you elaborate on that? Or it's risky. It looks like they have a little bit. Dead point. Yeah, it looks like that. Looks like they have a little bit. Uh, enterprise value is 953 million. Market cap 900, and call it 20. So they have about 33 million in debt, which isn't a ton, but their revenue is only 288 million trailing 12 months. Their free cash flow is about 8 million, so that's that's doing all right. Uh, I don't really see an issue with like they're going to go bankrupt or anything because they they do a positive cash flow, which I like that. But I just don't like it yet at these valuations. But like I said, I would keep it on my on my watch list uh, because I like the space. I'd continue to monitor it, uh, and when interest rates have a large pullback, I think you this will uh, do pretty well. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the call, Farouk. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's take it through and ask your question on today's show. We have about mm, 30 minutes left, 25 minutes left, actually. So uh, we're well into this Wednesday show. Now, at least one equity strategist is arguing for a bearish outlook in the technology and consumer discretionary sector. Two big red flags for the stock market. That story is tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions now. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? Y-Charts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day. YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YChart has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bloomberg Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious. Get Y charts. This is Invest Talk. Have you thought about asking Steve or Justin for a no cost and no obligation portfolio review? You should. They can set up a telephone conversation or a Skype consultation. And by the way, Steve Peasley will be returning to San Jose on November 7th. Register now at investtalk.com. Okay, you've got finance and investment questions, and you can get unbiased answers. 
Call now, 888-99-CHART. Now, I've talked all show uh, a little bit about the rise in interest rates and the effect on the housing market. However, let's take a little bit deeper dive and hear what home builders are saying, what realtors are saying. And if you look at a survey of real estate agents produced by Credit Suisse, it said in August, its national buyer traffic index declined 4% compared with July. And that was one point below the long-term average for August. So uh, clearly, like I said, when you're in the four and a half to four and three quarters percent area, it's a, a market that's kind of stalling, right? Uh, and you've probably seen that if you're in the market, if you're looking to possibly sell your home, that's what you're, you're going to see uh, generally, uh, unless you have some specific dynamics about your local real estate market that is makes it dynamically better or uh, dynamically worse. Uh, you're probably seeing a, a market that's just kind of stalling. Uh, and there are specific areas that have those reasons that could make them better or worse, right? Uh, red tide of algae in multiple Florida metro areas, wildfires in Portland and Sacramento area, uh, emerging market financial volatility took buyer, foreign buyers out of the Miami market. Uh, so multiple things uh, are really pushing various uh, markets, some negatively, uh, but mainly it's interest rates. Now the most enduring trend that we're seeing out there is buyer fatigue. And this is a theme that was echoed repeatedly by several agents, noting that home builders are increasingly offering more supply at entry level price points. So uh, you're, you're seeing home builders uh, supply come on market, and that is reducing the, the uh, uh, level of transactions on the existing home market, uh, and they're getting a little bit more promotional, let's say that. Uh, so this is something you should expect to only continue. A real estate or a, the real estate market nationally cannot sustain a five percent mortgage rate. It's just not going to happen. You're going to see a decline in prices. Let's say five ten percent. You start at five and a half percent, six percent. That becomes a lot bigger problem. But be prepared for that. And we've been saying for the past year or two, if you're looking to sell a home. You want to do it sooner rather than later, and this is why you're starting to see that type of market where things are now going to start drastically slowing down. Now, if you're in the market, now's the time that you're going to see better better opportunities. Uh, but I think those opportunities are the best opportunities are probably going to come later in the in the winter, maybe uh, March, January, February, March. Those that'll be a good time before you hit the spring buying season, and I think the best opportunities will come near the end of next year. Let's go to Brandon in LA who wants to talk talk about Berkshire Hathaway. Hi, yeah, thanks for taking my call. I wanted to ask about Berkshire Hathaway. I'm curious uh, if you thought it was a good time to buy, and if not now, what would be a good entry point? And my specifically, I was looking on Y charts at their five-year graph of the PE ratio, and it looks like just at the beginning of this year, it dropped from 26 to 11, and I just wanted to know Right now, it's around 11.36. Wanted to hear your thoughts. 
why it moved from 26.5 to 11? Yeah, and what you thought of it right now and um, what would be a good good entry point based on the chart. Gotcha. Well, their earnings are, are drastically going up. Uh, from 2017, they made $5.86 a share. And this year is supposed to make nine dollars and seventy-eight cents a share. So that's why the other P ratio suddenly dropped because you're now you're looking at uh, better current earnings and forward next year is supposed to make ten dollars and twelve cents a share. Uh, and I'm looking at Berkshire B by the way. Uh, if you're looking on our YouTube yeah, live stream, you'll see yeah, that. Yeah, so uh, that is why that P ratio has dropped. Now Berkshire Hathaway, long term. A great company. Uh, the return on invested capital trading 12 months is 10.8. But I could go, let's go all the way to a longer term chart and go out 10 plus years and see where that number is. And I'm sure it's in the mid to high teens because Berkshire knows how to invest, knows how to invest in companies, and they do very, very well. Uh, so Berkshire B. Yeah, actually, that's that's pretty new. I, one of the issues is we're looking at Berkshire B, and Berkshire B hasn't been around that long, right? They're two separate entities. You have Berkshire A, Berkshire B, and so the data on Berkshire B just really hasn't been around that long. But uh, you're essentially investing in the same company, so I don't really worry about uh, worry about that there. Um, but I I like it. I still like Berkshire B, Berkshire, whether you're buying the A shares or the B shares. In a lo long term, right? It, it, they know how to produce. Uh, they have Geico, which is a great carry arm where you're getting money in, and that's that's really been a big benefit for Warren Buffett. He's certainly a very good investor. I could probably name better, uh, but big thing is having Geico and that float and that leverage that has really allowed Berkshire uh, to, to compound its earnings over time uh, and do very, very well. Like, yeah, you're looking at a max chart on Berkshire A and return on uh, equity is always averaged on average in the uh, 10, 12%. So I like Berkshire B, I like Berkshire A, uh, but short term, you know, it, it's going to go down if the whole market goes down. Yeah, definitely. That makes, makes sense. sense oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for calling. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. There are some simple rules for success that every regular Invest Talk listener has heard from Steve or myself talk about many times. Rule number one is diversity, limiting your portfolio to three to five percent of uh, your, each position. Excuse me, to three five percent of your overall portfolio. Another rule, don't make emotional decisions, fear and greed. And obviously, timing the market is difficult. Now, Talk promises a commitment to reason and common sense guidance, and that can help make you a better investor. The more you listen, the more you will learn. Now, the phone lines are open, and the program is open for you. I want to hear what is on your mind. We have about 15 minutes left in the show, so call now at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where each Friday subscribers to the KPP Premium newsletter receive a concise and highly informative summary of the week's financial and investment news sent directly to their inbox. It really does give you a week that was roundup in a quick read. It also offers a look ahead and various process and term explanations that will be interesting to every investor. So you should be thinking about subscribing. 
you'll get targeted value formatted for fast consumption when you become a KPP Premium Newsletter subscriber at investtalk.com. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. I want to hear from you. I want to know what's on your mind. Now let's talk a little bit about the dollar. We all know the dollar is the world's reserve currency, and however, ever there's a potential regime change to that almighty dollar, and. There's a few reasons for that, and I'll get to them in a minute. But let's look at the dollar's role in the global financial system. Now, according to the ECB, the dollar makes up two-thirds of international debt and a similar share of global reserve holdings. Oil and gold are priced in dollars, not in euros or yen. And... Any country that's cut off to the dollar-based financial system, right, global payment system, like Iran, North Korea, Russia, etc., they have problems, right? We use the dollar to put sanctions on these type of countries that we don't agree with, that maybe aren't our allies. Now, in the short term, this dollar dominance doesn't look like it's unraveling, but there are some signs that foreign leaders are getting fed up. Jean-Claude Juncker, uh, he's the president of the European Commission, said in September that it is absurd that European companies buy European planes in Americans' currencies instead of their own. In March, China challenged the dollar dominance in global energy markets with a yuan-denominated crude oil futures contract. And then Russia got rid of all of its dollar holdings uh, last year, I believe it was. And they claim that the greenback is becoming a risky instrument in international settlements. Obviously it's not. But even the French, our allies, told reporters in August that he wants, uh, the French finance minister said he wants to wants financial instruments that are totally independent of the U.S., saying Europe to be, he wants Europe to be a sovereign continent not a vassal. And this is why removing ourselves from foreign decisions, foreign policy decisions, uh, isolating ourselves, and also making decisions that are like, like against Iran, right? Pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal against the wishes of our allies. That is something that weakens our, our dollar, our strength in the global world. Because now Europe is looking for ways around these sanctions to do business with Iran. Now, this erosion of the dollar status isn't going to happen overnight, like I said. But it shouldn't be taken lightly. We shouldn't think it is a foregone conclusion. 
Now, the biggest reason why the dollar has been so strong, or been the reserve currency, is mainly due to there's weakness elsewhere, right? There's political instability within the euro. You have countries that don't have a uniform tax system, uniform political system, and that makes it a difficult currency to really get behind, even though Europe as a whole is the largest economic union in the world. It's larger than the U.S. China, they have certainly a large economy, but its uh, rule of law is subject to the communist whims, and that makes it also hard to get behind. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how the dollar's do dominance becomes, or evolves, I'm sorry, over time. You know, we're in a fiat currency system, and now it's not, no currency is backed by gold, really. It's now backed by the goods and services of the country backing it. And over time, as China's grown and emerging markets grow, the U.S. is producing a lot less goods and services compared to the rest of the world than we did 10, 20 years ago. So that backing of goods and services of the dollar is becoming gradually less and less. And I think there is going to be a regime change, and I think we're at the start of it. But I think we're probably in the second inning, and I think it's got a ways to go. But keep an eye on it because it will have important ramifications for your financial situation long term. Now let's take a question from our Invest Talk listeners that came in earlier at 888 chart. Hi, guys. I was calling about Main Street Capital. Their stock symbol is M-A-I-N. It's a business development company, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out their debt rating through Moody's or Standard & Poor's. I'm blind, and I can't get, get Moody's to, and I'm wondering what your opinion is if, if you think uh, that they're going to be able to continue their dividend if, if they're a solid company. And just what you think about them. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Bye-bye. All right, they're looking at, he's looking at Main Street Capital Corp. This provides lower middle market companies with customized financial solutions that include debt and equity. So it's a, it's a BDC company. Uh, basically, they're a lender to maybe not the largest companies, tend to be high-risk companies, smaller names. Uh, yields about 6.1%. Revenue is up 19% year-over-year. Earnings up 14% year-over-year. But earnings have relatively been flat over the past, call it seven, eight years or so. Uh, that worries me a little bit. Let me look at its debt. Its enterprise value is $3.2 billion. Market cap's 2.3. So you're talking about 900 million or so in net debt. Its times interest earns is six. So they certainly have a good amount of uh, uh, coverage on that front. However, their cash dividend payout ratio is negative, negative uh, 200%. Meaning, I, I don't know if that uh, dividend is that sustainable, especially in a down market or a, a, a bear market or a recession. Uh, these are the type of names that typically have a lot of a lot of problems. Uh, they're, they're profitable. They, they seem uh, in good standing right now. Uh, but I don't love the chart. Uh, he's made a double top recently, a lower high. I don't like that. Starting in a downtrend. Uh, I, d I, don't, I don't love it. 
because uh, I don't like the space. I don't like we, where we are in the economic cycle. I would stay away from Main Street Capital Corp. M A I N. Now I know it's hard to believe, but the October October is here, and time seems to be moving fast. Today's Invest Talk program is almost over, but we still have about 10 minutes left to talk with you. So give me a call. the next invest talk at least one equity strategist is arguing for a bearish outlook in the technology and consumer discretionary sectors steve will break down that story tomorrow for now justin's here ready with answers and he's waiting for your calls 888-99-CHART let's go to john in san jose he wants to talk about tesla Yes. Um, how come the stock's been going down when they beat their production numbers? Because they're going bankrupt. It's a fraudulent company. It's Elon is uh, Elon is Elon is a fraud. Uh, he's been charged with fraud by the SEC. I know it was it was uh, uh, settled. That doesn't mean he didn't commit fraud, because <laughs> he did. Um, so uh, Tesla, Elon lies constantly, and they're in deep financial trouble. They're under a, a Department of Justice investigation, which is uh, could land Elon in jail. Uh, they're under multiple lawsuits for the 420 buyout tweet, along with uh, many other lawsuits related to many other previous lies about the company. So Tesla is... A terrible it was is the worst run company in corporate America and it really shouldn't be public it should be bankrupt it should be reorganized it should be ran by somebody else besides Elon because he clearly is not a capable leader hmm okay I know uh, is that is that simple I, I enough? have uh, probably 300 clients that own their cars and every one of them because that's all they'll that's ever own the rest of There's, their life is Tesla. That's fine. That's fine. It's not a business. It's not a business. John, John, Tesla is not a business. John, 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 Tesla is not a business. It is losing money. I don't care how many cars you sell. If I go and I want to sell dollars for 80 cents, I'm going to get the most sales in the world. I'm going to look like I'm growing like crazy, which, yes, I would be. I'd be selling out the yin-yang but I'm selling dollars for 80 cents so everyone's gonna line up for it it's not a well-run company that's the bottom line it is a horribly run company and is going to go bankrupt thanks for the call let's go to Steve in Wisconsin yeah hi Justin I just wanted to ask you quickly yeah. uh, about a possible buy uh, buy-in point for uh, uh, AMD advanced micro devices you missed the run. Uh, semiconductors are are done. Uh, I think we're very close to the end of this semiconductor cycle. They're extremely volatile. You missed the upside. Uh, you're late to the game. This is a company that uh, in 2012 to 2016, they lost money four out of those five years. Uh, now they're going to make 47 cents this year, 67 cents next year. But it's a very cyclical business, and you're way overpriced at a P of 81. Um, I can go look at their deeper financials, but you missed the move. So, uh, you know, it's a company that doesn't have great long-term track record. I know that uh, they have some strength in the 
um, in, in the graphic GPU uh, market, uh, probably second to NVIDIA, maybe depending on uh, your your viewpoint. Um, but you know, I, I just I think this is going probably back down to the teens. Uh, I I think you missed the move, so I wouldn't be even looking at it. I I'd be wanting to buy NVIDIA at some point uh, lower, uh, but AMD just not a name for me. Okay. Thanks for the call, Steve. Well, I think we... Are we wrapping it up? I think we are. Well, let's get to uh, a quick article about uh, Nori Orbini. He is a NYU professor of economics. And what he's seen, uh, he wrote an article in the Financial Times on September 11th, so about a month ago. But he sees trade wars, domestic policy, and frothy asset markets. And he sees the economy slowing going into next year, which I see as well. Uh, he sees that the, the fiscal drag, uh, see the fiscal stimulus has, has been great for the past year, year and a half. Uh, but that those comps are going to turn into a fiscal drag next year, right? Because we don't have tax cuts in 20, uh, 2019. We had them this year. And as the Fed raises rates, normalizing policy, the expansion is likely going to hit a deceleration. Now, does that turn into a recession? I don't know yet. I can't tell you. Uh, but certainly, it is an issue that is... It, it's, it's an issue that's only going to uh, become more apparent going into, I think, this fourth quarter uh, and into early part of, of next year. There's obviously trade frictions, problems in China, which I'm going to get to that article that I was talking about earlier next week because I think it's really interesting. And Europe economy is slowing down. So this is why uh, we're seeing some pullbacks in the markets. I'm Justin Klein, and that completes another Invest Talk program driven again by your questions. A reminder, our podcast listeners, that they will learn more about YCharts, uh, our new sponsor and the maker of the software that Steve and I use for serious research, data filters, and charting as well. Steve returns tomorrow. Thank you for listening, and please tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.